Huber in the morning. Uh, hey, good morning. Morning. It's time. For what? I don't know, but it's definitely time. For what? It's time for Weird News with Huber on 100.7 The Bay. Just you telling me about this story made me really not want to do it. <laughs> it, it, it does not get better. Ugh. But it was trending all day Friday, so I Ugh. wanted to talk about it. Here's the headline, folks. And Endub picked this out, by the way. Endub heard this headline and said, you know what? The people of Baltimore need to hear this. Former funeral homeowner arrested after a corpse lay in a hearse for two... And I'll give you a multiple choice. Hours, days, weeks, or months. I'm going to take E. And you're still wrong. <laughs> yeah, a corpse lay in a hearse for a whopping two years. A former funeral homeowner accused of keeping a woman's corpse. And of course, it's a woman's corpse, just to make it even creepier. A 63-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. In the back of a hearse for two years and hoarding... The cremated remains of 35 people. Dude's been arrested. Last Thursday night's arrest of Miles Harford. You know, he seemed like such a good, quiet guy. He just, you know, kept to himself. Yeah, because he's a hoarder. I couldn't format the picture, but whatever you think he looks like, you're correct. Yeah. That son hasn't seen that skin in forever. (laughs) He's 33 years young. He, uh, a series of offenses by the Colorado Funeral Homeowners Association, including the discovery of nearly 200 decomposing bodies in a bug-infested funeral home facility last year. The fines have underscored the laxness of state funeral home regulations and have brought pressure on lawmakers to try to strengthen the laws. And this is just a bigger thing, and I don't even... Strengthening the laws of the people who already obey the, obey the law. Do you think this guy was going to do anything about it? Whether the law said he could or couldn't? No. Right. That's the thing that sucks about that. But I get they got to try to do something. I think what I factor in the most is his age. He's 33, 33 years old. Man. Which means this is something that's new to him. Right. Like he must have inherited this place or bought this place thinking he was going to do messed up stuff yeah. while there. This isn't like a 65-year-old man that like lost his wife and lost his mind, and now he's just doing weird stuff. This guy had a lot of intent on what he was purchasing and what he wanted to do for a living. You remember when you were 21? Well, maybe not you at a bar, but you go to a bar for the first time, and you look, and you see these 33-year-olds. Like, what are these old people doing out? And now you're me, and you're 46, and you think to yourself, I'd kill to be 33. I'd literally cut off a pinky right now with like a rusty spoon if it meant I could be 33. Would you like to know <laughs> what I did for my 21st birthday? Boy, would I. So I was working construction with my father. Uh-huh. And we were working at a mental health uh, section of a hospital. Maybe your dad was trying to tell you something. I mean, he never left me. <laughs> he tried to lock me in a room once, but I think that was just for my own protection. Uh-huh. Um, That was the day before... And the day of my 21st birthday, I had tickets to a Hinder concert. Nice. Lips of an angel, baby. Yep. And I had to pass. Go home. You had to get stoned. You know what I mean? (laughs) Was that them too? Yeah, that was them. (laughs) And I passed and I gave the tickets up because I had to be at work the next day. 
You are the most responsible human being I've ever met. But it's your dad, right? You can't show up hungover for a dad. Well, I mean, how many times did you show up hungover? There, were one, there was one time where he flat out sent me and a friend of mine home after we had been at visiting another friend at college at Mount St. Mary's one night. We showed up to work, and he's just like, nope, go home. <laughs> Anywho, back to this funeral director thing. I think you're right. I think there was intent for this to be nasty all the way from jump. And it's not good. Um, so what I don't understand is the the, the two hundred. I'm having a hard time even like family members or loved ones that right. got left behind. Like you think like if they were all there at some point and they were just like, yeah, it's fine. Here's the other crazy thing too. You ever had a mouse? left in like a mouse trap too long yeah i mean your neighbors are calling you and being like what's that smell 200 bodies i mean this had to be in the middle of nowhere right Th- that is very true like they never really dived into how they got the probable cause for the the warrant to go into the hearse which you thought that would have been attached to the the first charges from the funeral home well that's the crazy part too it seems like the hearse was the the uh capstone the the entry you know what i mean into this whole scene and then once they discovered the hearse it seemed like this pandora's box just got blown wide open but bleh. So I can say about this. like i'm trying to be funny and i'm like grossed out by it i can't even do yeah, it weird news is not always funny sometimes it's informational <laughs> weird. yeah well the old uh, harford owned apollo funeral and cremation service in the denver suburb of littleton Maybe just scratch that one off the list if you're out there. In Denver. <laughs> Thank God we have good ones, right? Uh, yes, for sure. We got family like Connolly and things that have been in business. Coldest, yeah. yeah, that have been around here forever. Thank goodness. Because at that time, that's the last thing you need to worry about the quality of. You know what I mean? It's right. like, man, you don't need to compare and contrast these business models to see which one is the best. You just go to the one that's close to you and your family. And just assume everything's going to be good. Yeah. This story should be called Why Huber is Old or How Huber Knows He's Old because none of this makes any sense to me. Are you ready? Yeah. McDonald's honors anime, which right there, I'm out. (laughs) McDonald's is honoring the world of anime by bringing the McDonald's-inspired W. McDonald's? Restaurant to life. Well, I don't get it. I don't either. Starting today in 30 different international markets, McDonald's is flipping the M and officially becoming Wickdonald's for a limited time. 410-584-100.7. Those of you who are much hipper than Endub and I, please feel free to explain this to us. I'm very, very curious. To celebrate, uh, McDonald's is releasing new Wickdonald's packaging for every meal, a QR code to watch an exclusive McDonald's anime series and its very own McDonald's sauce. Savory chili McDonald's sauce, which will join the menu for a limited time and is a mix of ginger, garlic, soy, and chili flakes, also known as the sauce they've put out four different times under four different other names. How dare you? How dare you Isn't do this? Isn't this like the... I swear to God, they did this for like a movie. They did this for like a Disney thing. I feel like this sauce has come and gone like four different times. It has, but that's <laughs> not the story. I mean, does this sauce do anything for you? Yes. Okay. Yes, big time. Uh, I am a McDonald's sweet and sour lover. Trash. I, I don't even want to disagree. You know why? Because every time 
I'm in love with it. I eat it. I eat my McNuggets in it. I put every fry I can in it. I lick the thing clean and have regret like three hours later. <laughs> That's all I'll say about it. The thing I don't like about McDonald's sweet and sour is you can get sweet and sour anywhere. Yeah. I, you could have went honey. You could have went honey mustard, which wait, is behind. Wait, 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 wait. R.I.P. to the honey. Right. But I would have understood. If honey was still an option, it would probably up my McDonald's consumption considerably. That McNugget in that honey was second to none. Yeah. Why did they get rid of it? Just expensive, I guess? Or uh, people probably. stopped ordering it? But this sounds delicious to me. Ginger, garlic, soy, chili flakes. Like, when I make a stir fry at home, I'll use soy sauce, a little... Uh, light olive oil first, then garlic and ginger, you know, in there, cooked it up. And then I'll use some kind of sweetener because I'm fat and trying to be less fat. But it, sugar or some sort of sweetener, soy sauce. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much try to make this sauce and then give it a little heat with chili flakes every time. And I would love to have this here. I don't disagree. I don't like spicy things. Like, I can't even handle the hot mustard. Even that gets me a little bit. So I can't imagine trying to tackle this bad boy. Um, Mike at Tony Town said, wouldn't that come out as Whackdonald's? Whackdonald's instead of the McDonald's. <laughs> I didn't get the pronunciation. Uh, uh, sweet and sour. So it's not just me with the sweet and sour sauce, says John Ken Allen. No, you and me, sir. We're in this together. And Alex from Pasadena really setting the tone here with, huh? <laughs> I mean, they're doing this internationally is this a bigger deal outside of the states no no i i played a disc golf tournament on saturday one of the guys i played with is are a, stoked about this uh it's a 50 year old dad uh -huh. and his two sons absolutely love anime he orders shirts from particular shows from overseas and gets them here it's a huge thing there's actually like small like rented showings of particular animes in movie theaters in maryland how do you know you're old? When a giant marketing campaign just goes <laughs> right over your head. It was like, less, a, like a flyby at the stadium. It's less about the anime, more about, about the, the sauce. sauce. Now, I'm in with this sauce. I don't care if there's some sort of a horned beast uh, drawn on the lid or not. I'm down to try this sauce. I can tell you that much. Um, I don't know. Robert Man said, no way. A disc golf player knows about this crazy <laughs> That's sarcasm. Disc, yeah, disc golf and anime have nothing to do with each other. I'm going to fight this man when I see him in public. Good luck. That's fine. I'm going to get one good hit in. I can promise you that until he pounds me into the ground. Um, does your beloved Pokemon fall under the anime umbrella? Uh, no. Okay. No, because it's more based for kids. For me, the only anime I think I've ever had exposed to was Speed Racer. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Did Dude, not eat that well. had the craziest sounds in it. Right. Here's a monkey with a wrench for no reason at all. Bridal and Shim Shim just showing up in the trunk of a car randomly whenever you don't need them. <laughs> Saturday and Sunday, it was chilly out, but the sun was shining real bright, made it feel significantly warmer than, uh, you know, the temperature said it was. And on Sunday morning, I decided to get the boys out and about. And we like doing hikes, uh, trips to high places. They like high things. They like being near the water. Um, I guess if there's some element of danger, they like it better. A regular hike doesn't do anything for them, but if they can fall into a river or potentially plummet to their death, adds a whole level of excitement to it for them. They're such boys. <laughs> so we make our way up Route 1 to 24 northbound, heading to Rock State Park. 
And during the drive up there, there was a debate back and forth as to whether we should do Kilgore Falls or King and Queen Seat. And I tried to explain, the oldest had boots on. So he was like, I'm going to be good if we want to do the river thing. And I'm like, ah, it's just more potential for mud, more potential for wet feet and me carrying a kid back to the car because their feet are frozen. Right. I was really heavily pushing towards the King and Queen Seat walk. And uh, so I won, thank goodness. So we head up there, we park at the little ranger station, and there was quite a few cars there. A lot of other people had the same idea. This is about, I don't know, 11 a.m. probably, maybe 10.30, I can't remember exactly. So we start the hike up, and first of all, I know we've been doing our walks, and I'm significantly better than I was as far as being able to walk a mile. That half mile from the ranger station up to the top of King and Queen's seat, even though it switches back a little bit, it was tough. Yeah, that elevation goes quick. Yeah, well, I'm glad you got it in, though. Yeah. So we get up there, and of course, Steven wants to run ahead, and then Oscar wants me to hold his hand. So it's like, I either got one that wants to go Mach 8, or the other one that's like taking three steps to my one, and then I got a slow way down, and it's like, I'm already miserable, dude. I don't want to add time to this. Right. Um, we get up there. And climbing around. It's a beautiful day. We get out to the edge. And I remember when we first went up there, I had to carry them out to near the edge. Then the second time they'd walk, but then they'd crawl because they were uncomfortable. And I was always the one comfortable. This time, they're like jumping off the rocks and jumping over cracks. And I'm like, ah, I'm the one that's uncomfortable now because they're so confident up there. I'm like, Dude, just stay here. Don't go so fast. Blah, blah, blah. I couldn't believe I the, the script had flipped so dramatically to me now, like worrying about them as opposed to me having to encourage them to go do it. So we're up there. We get some photos. They climb around on the rocks. You know, we like to come back from the edge and there's a whole bunch of rocks up there and they, you know, pretend like they're doing tricks or something. I don't know what they do, but they climb and flop around on them and stuff. And it's fun. But this whole time, there's this couple, and there's a cell phone we keep hearing ring. And it's coming from down between the rocks. And this couple has got a stick, and they're poking around, and, like, all these bottles are falling out from between the rocks, like water bottles and stuff, I guess, trash that people had left up there. And this phone keeps ringing, and they're like, oh, I think I hear it over here. I think I don't see it, but I hear it, and it's got to be right here. And they're poking around, and we're like, we see another couple that came up there kind of join in to help them. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to poke my head. I can hear it coming out from this one side, and this guy's on the other side. I'm thinking it's closer to the side. I can hear the phone. So he's poking around, and then I'm, like, reaching in there, and I'm pulling out the bottles that he's shoving across with the stick, and then the phone would ring again. We're like, oh, it feels like it's so close. We've got it. And the guy's like, we've been doing this for 45 minutes. I'm kind of getting sick of it. And finally, my kids are starting to get way too involved, and they're becoming more in the way than helpful. So I'm like, well, good luck with your phone. I hope you guys can get it. And he's like, oh, it's not ours. I was like, huh? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just been here ringing. So we've been trying to get it. <laughs> so this couple that had been working on this thing for close to an hour had no tie to this phone other than they could hear it. And they just wanted to get it out. What are they going to hock it? I don't know. So then my brain starts as we're walking away. I hear the guy. Oh, I can see it light up. The screen's facing up. I can see it. So then I was like, do I want to go back and see this through or do we just keep walking? But I know at that time, my hours are limited before there's meltdowns and no lunch and all that kind of stuff. So we did walk away. But as I'm walking down the mountain, 
mountain to hill, I guess. Hard press to call it a mountain, I suppose. You call it whatever you want. Okay. You tackled a mountain this weekend. <laughs> I started to think, like, what if this is some elaborate, like, Mr. Beast thing or some, like, you know, NBC show where if you do a good thing, you win, like, a million dollars or something. And we walked away from it right at the end. You know what I mean? I started to have these weird fantasies, like, we should have seen that through. We should have seen it all the way through. I didn't know you had a fear of FOMO. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's uh, a lot less acute now that I'm older. But, man, I was just like, I wanted to see that phone flop out of there. Right. The poor dude's hands were all bloody. His knuckles were all bloody from, like, scraping around in there. It was a good-looking couple. Like, he was a big, like, in-shape dude, an attractive girlfriend, wife, whatever. And uh, they just looked like a party. They looked like a fun couple to hang out with. I can't believe that cell phone was ringing. That's practically well, that's a dead I, zone. That's what I kept saying. I was, oh, you're right, because I've tried to, like, text a picture or post a picture from up there. It hardly comes through. Yeah. And whoever it was, I mean, that was a diehard amount of phone calls. They were not giving up calling that phone. And I don't know why. It's not like they were around the corner seeing that somebody was actively trying to get it. But they had to have called it every two minutes or so at least. David, I swear to God, <laughs> I know where this phone is. Just keep calling it. I went to Starbucks, got me a little Starby, and then I went to Target. And I remember calling Janet. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, I just didn't have my phone anymore. Go out to the G-Wagon, <laughs> check between the seats. I'm going to take over making the phone calls now. That's right. And that's what it felt like. So I don't know what happened. I would love somehow, some way, through six degrees of separation, if anybody listening to the program knows anything about this, I got to know <laughs> if this cell phone got recovered. But uh, the point is, so we go home. And we're having a, you know, we have to hit the Royal Farms for our celebratory slushy uh, for them for, you know, being good and doing all this stuff. Just we hit the Rofo, we head on home, and uh, minutes after getting home, the youngest gives all his uh, Royal Farms eatings back to the floor of the dining room. Oh, wow. Yeah. He redonates them back to the to the earth. Um, so we clean that up. I'm like, you all right, buddy? Uh, I don't know. So we put him on the couch, and then later on, he's back at full speed. And then in the evening, I see him. I ask him a question. He turns and looks at me, and he's got the red cheeks, the red ears, and the glassy eyes. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so we go for the thermometer, and yeah, 102 fever. So he went from climbing a mountain in the morning to shivering and shaking in the afternoon. I don't know what the deal was, but it was a, it was a heck of a day. That's all I, can say. I swear to God, it is your life. Do a T. You do something nice. You want to get the kids out just to get some exercise. You get them from Oreo Farms. He gets six and pukes on the floor. Yeah, next thing you know, I'm cleaning up puke and wiping sweat off his brow. I don't know, man. I love this wild chair. Humor <laughs> in the morning.